Good morning. Psalm 89. I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I said steadfast love will be built up forever. In the heavens you will establish your faithfulness. You have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David my servant, I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. Let the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord? A God greatly to be feared in the council of the holy ones and awesome above all who are around him. O Lord, God of hosts, who is mighty as you are? O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you, you rule the raging of the seas. When its waves rise, you still them. You crushed Rahab like a carcass. You scattered your enemies with your mighty arm. The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all that is in it, you have founded them. The north and the south, you have created them. Tabor and Hermon joyously praise your name. You have a mighty arm, strong is your hand, high your right hand. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are the people who know the festival shout, who walk, O Lord, in the light of your face, who exult in your name all the day and in your righteousness are exalted. For you are the glory of their strength. By your favor, our horn is exalted. For our shield belongs to the Lord, our King to the Holy One of Israel. Of old you spoke in a vision to your godly one and said I have granted help to the one who is mighty I have exalted one chosen from the people I have found David my servant with my holy oil I have anointed him so that my hand shall be established with him my arm also shall strengthen him the enemy shall not outwit him the wicked shall not humble him I will crush his foes before him and strike down those who hate him my faithfulness and my steadfast love shall be with him, and in my name shall his horn be exalted. I will set his hand on the sea and his right hand on the rivers. He shall cry to me, You are my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. I will make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. My steadfast love I will keep him forever, and my covenant will stand firm for him. I will establish his offspring forever, and his throne as the days of the heavens. If his children forsake my law and do not walk according to my rules, if they violate my statutes and do not keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. But I will not remove from him my steadfast love or be false to my faithfulness. 
I will not violate my covenant or alter the words that went forth from my lips. Once for all, I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. His offspring shall endure forever, his throne as long as the sun before me. Like the moon, it shall be established forever, a faithful witness in the skies. But now you have cast off and rejected. You are full of wrath against your anointed. You have renounced the covenant with your servant. You have defiled his crown in the dust. You have breached all his walls. You have laid his strongholds in ruins. All who pass by plunder him. He has become the scorn of his neighbors. You have exalted the right hand of his foes. You have made all his enemies rejoice. You have also turned back the edge of his sword, and you have not made him stand in battle. You have made his splendor to cease and cast his throne to the ground. You have cut short the days of his youth. You have covered him with shame. How long, O Lord, will you hide yourself forever? How long will your wrath burn like fire? Remember how short my life is. For what vanity you have created all the children of man. What man can live and never see death? Who can deliver his soul from the power of Sheol? Lord, where is your steadfast love of old, which by your faithfulness you swore to David? Remember, O Lord, how your servants are mocked and how I hear my heart, in my heart, the insults of all the nations. With whom, with which your enemies mock, O Lord, with which they mock the footsteps of your anointed. Blessed be the name of the Lord forever. Amen. And amen. Please be seated. Daryl, will you come and pray over us, please? I have a couple verses I'd like to read as we prepare our hearts to worship God. Uh, the first one's out of Proverbs 28, 13. And I pulled this out so we could examine ourselves and um, make our hearts right with God. So this is the first one. It says, whoever conceals his transgression will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into speaks to the wisdom of asking God for forgiveness. This is out of Psalm, and so um, it comes from the heart, and let's read it that way. Psalm 19:12 says, Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's pray. 
Dear Heavenly Father, um, we come before you um, made right before your eyes because of what your Son did for us on our behalf. God, even though we are right in your eyes, we still continue to sin. Please forgive us. God, forgive me. I pray you continually clean us, make us right. God, we desire this. We desire to be right before you. We desire to be pleasing to you. God, clean our hearts. Amen. Bring our hearts before you now in worship of you and you alone. Father, help us set aside every encumbrance. Lord, help us to set aside anything that gets in the way of being here now to worship you together as a family. Father, we ask that you would restore and renew in us the joy of your salvation. Father, you are so good. Help us, Father, to be thankful even when we stumble. Help us to be praiseful of praise for you, Father, even in the darkness. Father, help us to celebrate the light and life of your Son and the Spirit that you've given to us. On this day, in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. All righty. So uh, we have been preaching through the book of Philippians, and that is really looking at um, how do we find joy in all things? How do we uh, just see, experience joy when life is, is tough, is, when we struggle? And, uh, you know, one of the things I was just thinking about, I was, uh, uh, as we were singing that last song, uh, Philippians 127 says this, don't, and Lane, you don't have to turn to anything there on the on the board yet. But whatever happens, conduct yourself in a in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one uh, for the faith of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we are all called to stand firm for Jesus Christ. And, you know, one of the things I remember uh, as a missionary kid, just, uh, just, uh, I, I just remember tough times as a missionary kid. And, and, and I'll never forget, uh, early on uh, in the Philippines, we were, we were in this kind of missionary compound. And there was this young kid, this, uh, Larry Armstrong uh, was his dad. And this, this, this kid was at singing, um, uh, uh, he was singing a song just to the, just, just walking through the compound, walking around in circles, just singing, I have the joy, 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 joy. That's not what he was singing, though. But he was singing, uh, I have the joy, 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 joy. And then he said, uh, and then he would say, uh, great balls of fire. Okay, so so anyway, I mean, I, I, it's almost like the Apostle Paul or John saying to Jesus, should we call down fire from heaven? You know, I mean. I think this young this young boy just sensed the, the trials and the struggles of his of his mom and dad and just you know dad just let's just call down fire from heaven. Um, but we are called to strive for unity in the body of Christ. 
and uh, uh, and and sometimes that's not always easy. It is is very difficult to do. So so what does that <clears throat> what exactly does that look like? And so we're going to move into uh, as Paul continues to flesh out this particular uh, verse in Philippians one twenty seven. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. What does that look like? Um, and so we're going we're gonna to talk about uh, first uh, work, a workout plan that works. And we find that in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. It says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act uh, in order to fulfill his good purpose. You know, I, I was thinking as I was writing this out, after, after my, my stroke, I went through uh, just a time of depression and I felt like I'd lost my bearings and I, and, and I just kind of sat around and ate. And, uh, you know, so eating food was kind of a way of coping uh, with some of the depression I was feeling, with the struggles of not knowing whether I was going to end up with leukemia or not, and that was just a struggle that I had. And, and, and so I just, I just need to say, this is an old wrestling mantra that I had, eat to win. And uh, so I just want you to know that eating was winning. And, and, uh, and so one day while I was getting ready for church, I was, I was buttoning up my pants, my slacks, and I, just, and I just thought, I just looked at myself in the mirror and I just go, Hoffman, you've got to get a hold of yourself. And uh, so I began a workout plan and uh, to, to lose some weight. And uh, uh, so, uh, and no, I didn't starve myself, okay? So, uh, which is what wrestlers would do. But, uh, you know, we can all, we can all agree that, that uh, the best way to experience lasting, sustainable results are, are through disciplines and devotion to healthy living. And this is especially true in our walk with the Lord as we are told clearly in this passage today. You know, here Paul shows us that, that grace and works are not mutually exclusive. We see the word work out. It means, it, uh, it means carry out to the full perfection. And I just want to say, you know, th we've read this a lot and we've pondered this a lot. Paul does not say uh, work for your salvation. The work of Christ has saved us by grace alone and faith alone through Christ alone. And we know that. We believe that. And that's in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. So Paul isn't saying, try to stay saved. Most of us, all of us, would fail if we were trying to stay saved, right? We just can't do it. He is, uh, but he is saying, uh, work out your salvation. We can't, we can't add to it. We can't improve it. He isn't trying. He isn't saying try to stay saved. He's he is really speaking to our sanctification. That is the work of God to make us holy like His Son Jesus Christ. So, what does sanctification look like? It is the, it is the same uh, in the same way. It is becoming fit in the same way as we would become fit physically. It involves consistent practices of certain habits and disciplines. So, becoming spiritually fit involves practicing the spiritual disciplines such as studying the Word of God, prayer, worship, fasting, silence, prayer, surrender, obedience, and service, generosity, and even evangelism. 
These disciplines are for your spiritual health and vitality when you exercise them correctly, just as exercising for your physical health is beneficial to you. It is learning to put off the old self and put on the new in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. It is learning to offer yourself as a living sacrifice to God in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It is allowing the Holy Spirit to apply His gifts, the fruits of the Spirit, to you and in you in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. You know, I, I'm reminded, one time I was having a conversation with a, with, a, with a man who's just said, you know, I'm just an angry man. That's just the way I am. So you just have to deal with it. But I just said, that's not a spiritual gift. It's not, it's not a spiritual gift, folks. We are not. God has saved you to, to transform you, to draw you out of anger, to make you a loving, peaceful person. We need to join God in His sanctifying work of transforming us into the very image of Jesus Christ, the one in whom we serve under. So Paul instructs us to, to dedicate ourselves to this process with fear and trembling. Some have translated this, uh, uh, the fear and trembling, to say this, with a holy care to, uh, to, to do all acceptably, implying earnest surrender, deep humility, and complete submission with a sense of awe and respect towards God. So trembling comes from the idea of being separated from the Lord by our disobedience, our rebellion, laziness, or even apathy. Basically, it is it is being, uh, uh, it is not being in a close relationship and abiding with the Lord due to our disobedience. And that should scare you and I. Really, it should scare us half to death. So it should spur us on to live it with devotion and discipline. You know, one of the things when, when we were growing up, my mom used to say, wait till your father gets home. I don't know if, if you've ever heard that, but, but you know, that, that used to just cause me to tremble, you know. Uh, with fear and trembling, and, and uh, you know, I I did not look forward to meeting Dad at the door with when I know I had done something wrong, and uh, I, I learned you know how quickly how to uh, to ease my dad's my dad's correction with lots of tears, and uh, and uh, and and my brother Mark didn't learn the same lesson that I learned. He would just just fold his arms and just go, well, is that all you got? You know, and, and, and so, you know, I would just look at Mark, just what are you doing? You know, just uh, if fear and trembling is what we need to have in our relationship with God so that we understand that we understand that, that God is who he is, that he is almighty and that he desires that we would walk in a manner worthy of our calling, that we would do it so with, that we work out our, our salvation with fear and trembling. My friends, any time that you and I are, are, are struggling with temptation and we are tempted to sin, we are tempted to move towards an area, there ought to be fear and trembling before the Lord God, knowing that, that you and I stand with God at our side. And God is just saying, don't do that. God is just speaking to us and guiding us and direct, directing us. You know, one of the interesting things, the whole fear and trembling aspect, the Apostle Paul brings us to verse 13 when he says, he says, um, 
Continue to work out uh, your salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order uh, to fulfill his good pleasure. And we, need, we just need to know that God is at work. Amen? God is at work. He is always at work in us. I just love the fact that that, that scripture, said, that the Apostle Paul brings that out to us. God is at work in us. He is the one who is sanctifying us. So, so you know, one of the things that we just need to, to consider as we, as we earnestly surrender to God, as we look to God, as we respect God, knowing that our Father is home, that our Father desires to, to uh, invite us to join Him in His sanctifying work. It's, you know, here's the deal. You, you know, I used to read uh, as a kid, Be ye holy, for I am holy. How many have read that? You know, be ye holy, for I am holy. Have you ever tried to be holy? Yeah, it, it, it really doesn't work on your own. It does not work. It does, you cannot be holy, okay? But be set apart, be set apart unto God. God is, God is setting us apart unto himself for good work. And that is what he wants us to do. He wants us to join him in the work that he is offering us, that he, he wants us to just to carry out the thing that he offers us. So Paul instructs us, to work not only to, uh, not only to, uh, uh, he, inst he instructs us not only that we understand that he has provided his spirit who instills the desire to accomplish all of this, but we can carry it out in him. And that is just amazing to understand. You know, one of the things that uh, uh, Teresa and I have been doing uh, some uh, marriage work, counseling, and, and uh, one of the things that's dealing with is that we have these these emotional feelings that we believe are true, but they're not really true, and and so then we cope by behaving in a certain way, and, and so one of my coping behaviors is to avoid conflict, but one of the things I know that when the power of God's Spirit is at work in me, I know that I can choose to stay connected with people to stay connected with Teresa in my marriage, to stay just to stay connected and trust that God will direct my paths. This is this is God doing His work. This is you and I uh, willing to stay in the process that God is doing in us. So our part in this process is to humbly seek God's presence, to abide in Him, and to strive to know Him each and every day through the through the spiritual disciplines. As you work out your salvation by spending time with him as you grow to know him deeply through your devotion to the disciplines he will work in you to change you and to renew your mind and your heart he will work to accomplish his will and good purposes for you and i just want to say just embrace embrace the promises that he has promised there in Philippians 1.13, that he is at work, that he will do his good work in you. And I, I just embrace that. Just embrace the promises. So how does God work to accomplish uh, his will through our practices of the spiritual disciplines? Uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and 21 says, Now may, may the God of peace who brought again 
uh, from the death of our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of, of sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with every good, with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. So you, you, again, just ask yourself this question. Why fit in when I can stand out? In, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 13, uh, 14 through 16, it says, Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may be blame, be, become blameless and pure, children of God without fault, in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky, as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then you will be able to boast on that day of Christ, then I will be able to boast on that day of Christ that I did not run uh, or labor in vain. You know, one of, one of my favorite theologians, Dr. Seuss, wrote this. Uh, he said, why fit in when you can stand out? Uh, it's a strong statement about conformity and peer pressure, which, I, which the Apostle Paul would have wholeheartedly agreed to. Here in this passage, Paul tells the Philippians that... Uh, why, uh, uh, why they shouldn't fit in. He says that you may be blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Why? So that your testimony, that my testimony, that our lives, that they would shine like stars in the world, that we would be shining lights pointing to Christ. You know, a lot of times in the world that you and I live in, it's really hard. It's really hard to be a witness and a testimony, isn't it? It's hard. It's easier to fit in. It's, it's easier to do what everyone else is doing. And we might think that it's not possible to, to really shine like God wants us to shine, to be blameless and pure in a world that is so full of darkness and, and depravity. You know, but this passage continues to hit at the heart of what Paul expressed in Philippians 2, verses 3 through 13 providing further instruction regarding our interactions with believers and non-believers alike. And in this verse, the Apostle Paul explained and encouraged them to walk in humility, striving towards unity, having a mindset of valuing the needs of others first, which Jesus himself demonstrated through his life, his ministry, and his death. Paul instructs us to do so without grumbling, without arguing. You see, Paul is referring to the grumbling and, and the arguing. He's referring back to the Israelites who, who immediately after crossing the Red Sea were out of water. And they begin to grumble and they begin to complain. And, and they begin, and, and, and Moses says, why are you complaining to me? Why are you grumbling to me? You're, you're grumbling and complaining, complaining against God. And, and one of the things that we need to understand, there was a disbelief and a doubting of God. My friends, when we grumble and we complain, we are questioning God's power and his sufficiency. And we need to understand that that, that, that does not need to be a part of, of, of our lifestyle. To, we need to quit grumbling and complaining as Israel did. And then he instructs them to continue be sanctified through the devotion and the disciplines as the Lord works in them and through them. You know, one of the things 
it, it, that how we do that is to hold firmly to the word of life. To hold firmly to the word of life. You know, one of the things that we have uh, that we have really challenged the body with, that we have practiced here in in church together, and, and that is this: that we would be people of the word. We'd be people of the word of God. We have we have uh, groups of people that meet reading through the word of God, and uh, uh, and we read the, through uh, through the Psalms. Um, every Sunday, and, and I just want to encourage you just to embrace the reading of God's Word. Let it speak to your hearts. So one of the things that we hold firmly to the Word of God, that we hold firmly to His promises, and that we, that we embrace His promises as true, that they will change our lives. As we do this, as we grow in our relationship with Jesus, as we imitate Him in our interactions with believers, we become blameless as it pertains to fulfilling the law of God. I think of Luke chapter 1, verse 6, that Zechariah and Elizabeth, that they were seen by their, peer, by their peer group as righteous, upholding the law of God. In other words, they were, they were seen as, uh, as people that you could not bring a charge or a claim of hypocrisy against. They were righteous, seen as righteous before God. That is how you and I are to be seen in the world that you and I live in. So as you and I examine uh, the challenge that Paul espouses to here, you, you and I can see the clear connection to the statements that Jesus made in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. In the same way, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. My friends, Anything that you and I do, anything that as we imitate Christ, anything that is done should be done in honor of Jesus Christ, that they would glorify our God and Father in heaven. You see, the world is full of selfishness, division, discord, strife, anger, and depravity. And believers who live in submission to God will shine like bright stars in the sky. And that is contrasted to the wicked, perverse, and dark world that we live in. You know, this morning, um, as I was reading the Word and just preparing for today, uh, I, I just happened to glance, turn, and look out my, my windows, and I just saw the most amazing sunrise. I mean, just just, just out there. And, and there was the shadow cast off the side of the mountain, and it was just incredible. And... and uh, you know, Paul just hammers home the metaphor of, of stars and light by reminding the Philippians to hold firmly to the word of life. And in the Greek expression, uh, it, it is meant to evoke the image of holding a torch um, that, was, that was held up for guidance. So in other words, we need to be torch bearers. We need to be someone that upholds the light of God for others to see. We need to be lights that point to Jesus Christ. So by living in humble devotion to Jesus Christ and holding forth the light of the gospel for all to see through our testimony, we can point, we can point the, uh, to the way of, of hope. It is our only hope, Father. Uh, Jesus Christ is our only hope. So I, again, uh, ask yourself, how how does doing everything without grumbling or arguing 
validate my witness for Christ and enable me to hold firmly to the word of life. In other words, folks, we've already been told in, in uh, Philippians chapter 1 to consider the interests of others as more important than your own. We need to stop complaining and we need to say to ourselves, I'm happy to do it. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 16 through 18. And then I will able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even I am being poured, but even uh, if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and serving uh Coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. You know, all of us were kids at one time, but kids, how many of you hate doing chores that your parents ask? Don't raise your hand, okay? Don't raise your hand, but how many of you hate doing the chores? How many of you hated doing the chores that your parents asked you to do? Okay, I did, okay. You know, I, I used to just come, just... Oh, it just used to drive me nuts. You know, I mean, you're right in the middle of your best cartoon and your mom and your mom asks you to take out the garbage. It's like, just look at her like, really? Hello? I'm, I'm busy here, you know, but, uh, you know, it, 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 uh, you know, uh, they, they really seem to come at the most inconvenient time. And I, you know, here's, here's the deal. We would rather spend our time doing something that that we thought would make us happy. And, and so, uh, so when it came time to do um, the, the, the chores that maybe my parents asked, um, they were often met with complaining and grumbling. And, you know, I, 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 I've told this story before, but I remember one time my mom said, you need, to mow, you need to mow the lawn. And so I went out and mowed the lawn, okay? And then, uh, and then she, she came out and she looked at it. She says, you need to rake the lawn. Oh, that just drove me nuts. Rake the lawn, and then and, and then uh, I started to rake, and, and then I was so angry. I, I was just raking, and just man, that rake was just flexing, and and I just snapped the rake right in half. And then she says, "You need to go borrow Mrs. Schaefer's rake, and and you need to finish raking the lawn, and then you need to mow it again." Oh, I thought I thought I'd lost it, okay, and I was so so angry. You know, but and I was just grumbling and I was complaining inside and and, uh, and my heart was not right. It was not right to grumble and complain uh, at what is asked of you to do is to dishonor your parents, maybe even your spouse, your uh, uh, your the, the uh, people and even the church and, and, and God himself. And, and God is just calling us out. Be willing, be happy to do it as the Apostle Paul was. Uh, he was willing to he was willing to do anything for the sake of the people that he served. And I, I just I just can't say that enough, but um, we are challenged to, to be happy to do it. Uh, the Apostle Paul's life at this point wasn't going. Uh, great by by any standards, he was in the depth of, of persecution, and was looking at death for proclaiming the cross, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So during this correspondence with the with the congregation in Philippi, Paul is describing his time in prison, not as a time as he views 
uh, as suffering with no cause, but as something even to celebrate. And folks, I, I just cannot say this enough, that whatever we are called to do, we are called to do it with celebration. As the Apostle Paul says, with joy, with rejoicing, I rejoice. So many, so many in Paul's situation would probably grumble and think that it was all for nothing, but he reminds the church that this labor is not in vain, and he was happy to do it. He refers to himself as being poured out as a drink offering, which is a picture of the Old Testament practice of worship as people would bring their sacrifices. In Numbers chapter 15 and Numbers 28, they would bring the, their blood offering to, uh, sacrifice to the altar, and then the priest would pour out wine uh, right next to the, to the sacrifice, and steam would, would rise up uh, from, the, from the, 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 the wine, and it just symbolized the, someone's, uh, this dedication of worship to God and their heart to God. It was a celebration, a sacrifice that was given. And so Paul ends this passage by asking the church to join him in his joy for his suffering, um, uh, the service that was to Christ. And it was not to be in vain, but it, would be, it should be celebrated. You know, I, 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 early, uh, I, I read in, in uh, 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 Second, Second Corinthians that Paul would, has said this, that he says, I would rather be spent and expended for your sake. So what can we learn? What can we learn here? There will always be times where servanthood isn't very fun or glamorous. Nonetheless, Paul instructs us to be happy, to be joyful to do it as an act of worship to God. We should be happy to do it for our Creator. Paul was willing to give his all, and he joyfully did it, as did Christ. And he calls us to imitate our Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, one of the things that... Uh, uh, it's been just a joy to watch. Is, is the working on, uh, on on the rental on the rental uh, house uh, for Pastor John and Sophie, and it's just been really amazing just to just to see all the work that's being done. And and I've not never walked in there, and I've I've not experienced this. I've not experienced everyone complaining and moaning and groaning about what's being done or what they have to do. But I, I, I just remember this one time, Tree says, we need to go over there and work today. And I just go, oh, man. I, I just, in my heart, I just thought, man, I, you know, I, but I just had other plans. Okay, and Tree says, no, we need to go work. We need to go serve. And, and, and so I, you know, we, folks, we need to be happy to do it as the Apostle Paul, as he spoke, as he spoke it out, and he said, uh, uh, I am glad and rejoice with your all with you all, uh, so that uh, you, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. We should be glad to do it, happy to do it. I just want to encourage you with that today, that we would understand that there is a, a workout plan that works, that God is sanctifying us, that he is making us like his son, Jesus Christ. 
that, that he will transform us into the image of Jesus Christ. And we also need to understand that why fit in when you can't stand out? And we need to, we need to do this by a living example of not complaining or grumbling or arguing, but we need to be pure and blameless children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. And then God calls us to be happy to do it. Be happy to do it. Be happy to do it so that Jesus Christ can shine in and through you as lights. And so we're going we're gonna to stand and, and we're going to close with a song. Uh, just invite you to stand. We're going to sing, uh, everyone needs uh, salvation, that God is mighty to save, and he calls us to be uh, his light through us.